it felt like us versus the world. Mm-hmm. It was like nobody gets it, but we get it. You know, we'd look at each other. We'd be like, are we insane? Are we insane or do they just not get it? No, they just don't get it. We don't know if it's going to succeed, but we know what we're doing is going to be worth it. Today on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're joined by Thomas Bragg and Matt Daher from Yes Theory. Yes Theory is not only a YouTube channel with millions of subscribers, but a movement and a way of life. They believe the best things in life come from putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and challenging yourself to say yes to more things in life. They spread this message across the world through the content they create, and I can tell you firsthand that they authentically live this message on a daily basis. If you haven't checked out Yes Theory, we highly recommend you type in Yes Theory to YouTube to see what they're all about. I can pretty much guarantee that you'll be hooked to their content. When we first started watching Yes Theory videos, we instantly binged as many as we possibly could and then decided to challenge ourselves to meet them in 24 hours, which worked, and we've been friends ever since. Over the past eight months of knowing them, not only have we become close friends, but we've also become collaborators. Most recently, we helped them film in the Grand Canyon, where they were jumping out of a helicopter with Will Smith. That's a whole story in itself. On this episode today, we cover the early days of Yes Theory, the choices they made and the challenges they faced trying to get their idea off the ground. We were incredibly inspired while recording this episode, and we think you'll feel the same way after listening to it. All right, enjoy this conversation with Thomas and Matt from Yes Theory. Welcome to Venice Beach, California. We are sitting here with some of our favorite creators at the spot where we met you guys. Uh, What? A couple months ago, eight months ago. Yeah, when you guys creepily stalked us and and found us at the front door. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually like relative. Intro, Matt. It's relatively accurate. It's relatively yeah. accurate. No, it's very endearing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not inaccurate. But the way that we met these guys, uh, someone, one of our subscribers, commented saying you guys should check them out, and we started watching a ton of Yes Theory and were totally hooked. Realized you guys were in our hometown. And uh, went to our favorite coffee shop, which is what we're drinking right now, Intelligentsia, and <laughs> just kind of waited until we could see if we could meet you guys. <laughs> just made videos and communicated through a video on Twitter. I think that's yeah. what pushed it over the edge. Even though you responded to my email, yeah. I think it was a video on Twitter that pushed I it over that, the edge. I think that that was just at the beginning of people wanting to like meet us. I don't know. Nobody cared for a long time. And then that was just at the beginning where people started to come to our door or like email us and wanting to just meet up. And we're like, why do people want to meet us? You know, it it just, and then we saw you guys video on Twitter and we were like, Oh, these guys look like they're like legit. Like you had a a one minute video. You both bounced off each other really fast. We're like, these guys look awesome. Like, let's just invite them. But we were in San Francisco, right? Mm -hmm. For a minute. You guys were shooting the Bitcoin video, I think. Yeah. The Bitcoin video. I don't know when that came out. Yeah. Like eight months ago. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we're like, come over. And then the friendship kind of like, I don't know how you guys came over and left. And Matt and I were like, those guys were, were awesome. Like, we should hang out. Yeah, I don't really remember how it followed up from there when we, I think we got coffee or something after that. But anyway, yeah, since since then it's grown to be, uh, we spend a lot of time together. We went surfing this morning. We were in the Grand Canyon. Well, Matt didn't go surfing, but we <laughs> we all went surfing. Thomas, don't in, remind me. in case you're wondering, uh, <laughs> Thomas is basically Kelly Slater. 
What I saw this morning That's was insane. That's the best session of my life, man. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, I know you have short hair right now, but like the way I envisioned it, your hair was like basically, I don't know, like down to your shoulders. You're like just like flowing in the wind. Water was spraying everywhere. I honestly don't know what happened. Like, I was, I felt like I was in a surf movie. 95% of the times I've been surfing has been in Venice Beach, and the waves are like pretty crappy. Like the big ones crash, you get tucked. It's it's impossible to catch anything over two or three feet, and out there it was just like four four footers that were just beautiful to catch it was thank you guys for taking me it was yeah, unreal next time matt yeah. next time next time we'll, matt. we'll make it happen yeah i was staying in i stayed in this morning and, and and missed out on the big party unfortunately so while we were out in the water um there was actually a guy from france there thomas yeah. you connected with him you guys were yeah. speaking french and i wanted to just um lead that into the fact that you're not you're not from here you're not from la you're not from mm-hmm. venice you guys have really settled into the venice beach lifestyle but Bring us up to speed. How, how did you, you know, where are you from? How'd you get to Venice? And how'd you guys meet? For sure. Um, my parents are originally from Sweden, um, and but I was born and raised in Paris. So they, I grew up kind of like in a Swedish home, uh, but in the French environment, I guess. And I went to this international school where I had the entire normal French school system plus eight hours of the Swedish school system, kind of. It was like an intense version of the, the Swedish one. Um, and so I never, it's weird, when I was in France, I felt like the Swede, and when I was in Sweden, I felt like the French guy, and when I'm here, I don't really know what I am, so I'm like, huh? I just became Kelly Slater, yeah, <laughs> now that I'm here in Cali, you know. Is um, it, was that a California accent? I don't know, how, what, what is the California accent? It's like, dude, we're fucking shredding <laughs> some waves in Malibu, getting tucked and shit on the... Fucking barrels out there, man. <laughs> um, that was it. And no, was, anyways, I, I moved from France when I was 18. I went to university in Canada at a school called McGill University in Montreal. And at some point in my last year, my last semester, I took a marketing class, and the goal was to team up with a like a local startup. And Matt had a clothing company that he co-funded with a friend of mine. So we thought, okay, let's just choose this company because we'll have a direct liaison with them. And plus they're like an awesome company and I hadn't met Matt yet. And when I, the first time we met, I showed up 30 minutes late and Matt is a very punctual person and he hates people that are late. Like I, yeah, right. You hate when people are late. And then it was so funny. I literally remembered this moment. I was like on my computer. I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing something. And then I get a phone call from like a girl in my group. And I, she never calls me. I barely know her. I'm like, why is this chick calling me right now? I was like, hello. And then she's like, hello, your meeting started 30 minutes ago. Where are you? <laughs> and I realized I totally missed out. Pouring rain outside. I'd run to the coffee shop like 15 minutes away. And I show up just soaking wet late at this meeting. And I just see Matt looking at me like, who the hell is this guy? And then uh, we just started talking. Like, I brought up some like random anecdotes for some reason. And uh, we kind of just hit it off for, for a bit. Yeah, I fell in love with him. So from that moment, that's when you guys <laughs> yeah, were connected? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I hate people, or I hate when people are late. <laughs> I hate when people are late. Um, but then Thomas told me the story of how he he snuck into uh, a Flume concert, uh, Flume the DJ, mm-hmm. and then managed somehow to end up on the VIP boat, in the VIP section with Flume, and befriended Flume and his manager. And ever since would hang out with flume anytime he was in town and it was it was the craziest and coolest story that i'd ever heard at the time 
And I was like, that dude is hilarious, and I need to connect with him. Um, I don't know if we want to tell that story. It's a pretty crazy story. But, yeah, I've ever since he's told me that story, I've told him to tell probably 100 people that we know. Be like, Thomas, tell them the flume story. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah, you can hear it. All um, right, here we, here we go. The flume story. All right, well, so in my after first year of university, I was kind of like lost, um, confused about what I wanted to do. And I was just listening to to Flume like over and over. I think it was maybe end of second end of second year, and I was I found his album pretty early on in his like of him kind of breaking out, um, and I just became obsessed. I was just listening to that over and over, and it started to like I grew really like emotionally attached to that album because I was it was helping me out of this state a little bit. And uh, the day after my birthday in Paris, uh, he was supposed to play, and I was I was home for my birthday, um, but I didn't have tickets. It was sold out. But I, was, I thought for some reason, like, let's just show up. Let's see what happens if I show up. And I showed up with four of my friends. So we were five five dudes. And we show up. And the guy's like, there's no way. Like, there's a huge line already of people waiting, like, hours before the concert's going to start. So, like, there was just no chance. Like, even the guy at the door was like, why are you even trying this? I was like, fuck. All right. Screw it. I'm going to let's just walk around, grab dinner somewhere. So the five of us start walking down the street. We walk, like, we take a few random turns. And then we see this restaurant. We're like, this, this looks fine. Let's just go in here. We walk in and Flume is freaking sitting with his entire crew in that restaurant. And I'm like the only one out of my friends that recognize him. I'm like, guys, guys, that's Flume right there. <laughs> and they're like, what? No, it's not. I'm like, I swear that is he's sitting right there. Uh, but I was like, okay, I'll let him finish dinner, see what happens. So we sit down, kind of creepily, like a few tables down. And then halfway through their dinner, he stands up on his own and starts walking towards the exit. I'm like, holy shit. He's, he's about to leave. He's going to go, like, to the concert right now. So I stand up, and I tell him, like, that I'm, I'm a huge fan. I want to get a photo or, like, try to figure out a way if he could, like, grab me, take us with him, like, to go in. He's like, there's no way <laughs> I could take you right now. Like, I'm about to go up and just play, but I'll take a photo. I was like, damn it. So I got a photo, and then uh, I s- Fuck. All right, let's take the photo. No, but I was like super hyped just to get the photo. And then I sit down and my friends were like, So what happened? I was like, Well, we can't, we still don't have tickets. And uh, so we sit down and we're like, All right, let's just order beers and I guess just call it a night. Like, let's just go home. And I was like, There's no way I'm meeting the guy and then not going to the concert. So I'm like, All right, you boys do whatever. I'm going to, I'll be back in a second. And I run down to the concert venue. And I end up seeing, this is the trick for if you want to get in anywhere. There's a dude or a woman with a pamphlet, like a, not a pamphlet, like a clipboard. Clipboard. And I saw a guy walk by, like, from far, and I call him over. And he looks at me like, who is this guy? Like, why does he call me? Like, he looks in charge, you know? And I just tell him, like, listen, man, it's my freaking birthday. Just met him. Don't have tickets. It would be a dream for me to go. I know you can get me in. And he was like, I can't. I was like, if Kanye West shows up right now, you're going to let him in. So there's space for me to go in. I know I'm not Kanye West, but please let me in. <laughs> and the guy's like, all right, fine. And he opens up the thing. Wow. And then I'm like, wait, I have four other friends. They're sitting at a bar, like, down the street. And he's like, they better be girls. I'm like, nope. <laughs> all dudes. He's like, okay, you have two minutes. I'm going to wait for you here. If you're not here within two minutes, I'm leaving. I got work to do. I was like. Please wait. And I run down and they just order pitchers and they're just sitting chilling. I'm like, guys, chug this. Let's go. And like, as we just throw money on the table, we didn't know how much, like we didn't have time to ask for the bill or anything. The waiter comes running and like, I th- we thought he was going to be pissed that we're just like dipping. But he was like, guys, 
I heard where the after party is going to be. It's going to be on a boat. And he tells us the name of the boat. And I'm like, what? And we just write it down on our phones and then run and like kind of forget about it. Go to the concert. The guy lets us in. Unreal time. And then we get out. And my friends again are like, all right, that was epic. And I'm like, no, we're going on that freaking boat. What's the name of it? Let's figure out where it is. We go down, find the boat. And there's just like, again, a gigantic line, like huge line. And there's four like beautiful girls walking out from the line being like, no one's getting in. It's like they've closed the boat. It's over. We're like, damn. And then I look left and I see there's like a, another line. There's like a main line that everyone's standing in. And then there's a line that's empty. Kind of looks like a secret entrance kind of. And there's like two huge bouncers and a woman with a freaking clipboard. <laughs> so I walk up and I'm pretty like, I'm a little tipsy at this point. And I take a, an Australian accent because he's from Australia. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm with Flem. She's like, excuse me, what? Like very French, like barely speaks English. And the bouncer is about to like, like kick my ass. Like he does not look stoked. And then I, I start to look like I get frazzled. I don't know. I was in character, man. Like I was Flume's friend. And I pull out a photo. And I'm like, right, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freaking call him then. And then I start like pull out my phone. And I know he's up there somewhere. And I, and I peek at her pamphlet, like her clipboard. And I see it says Flume on there. Um, and, and I see them, like, as I'm on the phone, pretending to be on the phone, I see them starting to freak out a little bit, like the bouncer and this woman, they're scared. They're like, holy shit, imagine if he is, and, like, we're screwing him over. And then they're like, okay, you know what? Um, it's okay. And then they hand us four, five VIP bracelets, and we get on this boat. Literally in the VIP section, there's, like, f nobody there in the VIP section yet. It's cut out, except for Flume and his manager. And they just see us walk up on this boat, like the guy that he had met at the freaking restaurant earlier looking at me like who the what like they're just so confused and i'm just walking up like celebrating and they're like how the fuck did you get in and i'm like boys it's a long story <laughs> did they ask you that like flume asked you they were like how how are you here like this you cannot get in here like it's impossible um and i tell them the story and they thought it was hilarious and then they were like well all right we'll sit down and grab a beer we're like for real they're like, yeah, I mean, that was that was hilarious. His manager was super cool. And we just had a beer, like hung out for like 30 minutes and then uh, got their contact. And then I've hung out with him like five, six times since. Like a after every concert, I just go see him after the after the show. Wow. Um, yeah, it was. Wow. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get I get the reaction you had. Matt, that's when you knew. I need yeah. to be doing things like that, hanging out with this guy. But that was the first, that was the beginning of my like sneaking in career. Right. I was like, holy shit, you can literally get in anywhere if you're confident if you pretend like you're supposed to be there literally you can do anything that that's a that, that became a category on the yes theory channel right. and something that i really enjoyed watching was uh -huh. like getting into movie premieres yeah or the video you guys did which actually had a lot of traction where you guys are in those yellow vests yeah. like getting into anywhere <laughs> yeah but i wanted to ask you matt because that became a thing that you guys did together mm -hmm. um prior to meeting thomas and hearing that story had mm -hmm. you done anything like that what was the premise of your clothing line? Like, what were you like leading up to that point? Bring us up uh -huh. to the same meeting in that coffee shop. Um, I'd say I have always kind of followed the rules in in those kinds of ways. I've never considered myself very street smart. Um, and like the businesses, I had started a few businesses in college and they all, all kind of failed. Um, I started like one where it was like, uh, a website called Bright Spots where you had environmental innovations from different schools all in one place so that if you found something really cool that you could implement in your school, 
uh, you could use that. And like another one was called Foreign Fans, where whatever city you were in, you could watch your favorite team at a specific bar. Like we would tell you what bar it was playing at. Uh, and I'd say about in total, every single website I created probably got like three views um, from these businesses. So I was never really a good entrepreneur. Um, and then my clothing line was the first time I actually got sales and like traction and attention especially within McGill or university. I had this really great co-founder named Darcy uh, and we we put together some really cool marketing campaigns and got a lot of attention. We had like 30 college reps just going around the school, uh, like selling our clothes and repping everything. Um, and that's how Thomas's cl- like friends and class found out about us. Um, and I think one thing I, I realized mostly from the clothing company was uh, what an audience can do because I had studied Serengeti, which was now a good friend of ours, Ryan Westberg's company. And he his company blew up because of Jimmy Tatro doing a shout-out for them. Like he, Jimmy Tatro wore a shirt. It had 500,000 views, and like the, the site crashed three times. And I remember reading that story and be like, damn, I need to get some influencers on board, you know? Like I need to get some people to rep these clothes and talk about them and like get the word out. Um but I just had nobody and I would mail it to different YouTubers uh, and obviously like nobody would respond or want to wear it uh, cause it wasn't paid. And then when I met Thomas, I was like, damn, Thomas has 500 subscribers on his YouTube channel. Like there's an influencer right there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like maybe I could promote my clothes through his YouTube channel. And one of his videos I remember had like 17,000 views. It was like a video he had, he had done a school project uh, with these videos and it was like 17,000 that dude my life is gonna change if thomas promotes my clothes uh and so there's it was both a friendship and like i saw a business opportunity uh and then we connected and because he was doing this marketing thing with his class uh we were able to to put some stuff together and and film our first episode together so the first episode we ever did together was promoting hard city which was my clothing brand uh and it was dancing with strangers in public wearing our clothes and how many views did it get? Maybe like 500. Yeah, I got enough. We were like convinced. We were like, dude, 10 million views by tomorrow, for sure. Yeah. And then we put it up, and I think it got yeah, like 500 views in like three days. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, that was still like decent for like a, a well, the the, the size of our. Friends. Yeah, we sent it to every single friend we like on the like we could think of, but it was, it was just it didn't take off as like we had seen it in our minds. <laughs> So the first video, though, for this clothing company is Dancing with Strangers, where you're wearing the clothing and you're going out and you're kind of like making a spectacle of yourselves. You actually are putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Why? Where did that come about? Like that idea to do something like that for your first video, which is somewhat similar to what Project 30 eventually became. So take us from like where that idea came for that marketing Mm -hmm. campaign there all the way up to transitioning out of having the clothing company and starting something called Project 30. Uh, I think the, the purpose of the video was to make people smile because it was cold in Montreal. So I think it was less about the discomfort and more about the positivity. And, uh, we brought out the speaker and we were just dancing like idiots. You know, Thomas was on top of the McDonald's table, just like being total goofball. Uh, and so the, every person we interacted with, we just wanted to see them smile and, by embarrassing ourselves that was the easiest way to do that just like making sure people knew we were weirder than everybody out there they could feel comfortable uh so i think that just came very organically it was never like oh let's get out of our comfort zones you know it was very natural 
I think for me, it was getting out of my comfort zone. <laughs> at least for me, like, yeah. so it's, for, at least for me, my journey of getting out of my comfort zone, it started in a class, entrepreneurship class, actually. Uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on record. So. Great. Exclusive. Oh, exclusive. exclusive on the college. We're <laughs> you only see it here. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, he was known for being like a very challenging teacher. His name's Peter Yunkin, and everyone was intimidated by him. He like he had a uh, very high ratings on like rate my professors, but the lowest rating he had was like extremely difficult. Like he gave one A per class. Uh, that's it. Um, and uh, his opening class, he said. So he always starts with a very open question and he tries to lead us towards the direction that he wants to take the class. So his, his question was, is it worth it to go to the Louvre? Everyone was like, what? Why is he asking this? We're in entrepreneurship. And everybody was like, I guess so. Like you can see beautiful paintings. And he's like, well, can you look at the photos online? Or can you just put a VR headset and like look at them? Or, you know, he was trying to, and everyone's like, I don't get what he's trying to do. Um, and eventually he got to the point that when you're in a place like the Louvre or in a museum where so many new ideas are around you, the smell, the, the grand, like the gigantic building that you're seeing that's historical on its own, all of your senses are like evolving. Like your brain chemistry is changing. You're literally out of your comfort zone. Even though you're at a museum, creatively you're exposed to so much, so much art that you've never seen before. And a lot of it is very different and has so much historical relevance. Um, and you can only achieve that by actually being in that place. Like you couldn't get that same, it's not the same feeling to watch a photo on a screen versus actually being in front of the Mona Lisa and seeing it. Um, it's two totally different sensations. And, uh, and so his point was for entrepreneurship, if you want to be creative, you have to put yourself in situations that you're not used to being in. So whether it is watching a movie in Korean or going to a new museum or ordering something random at the restaurant or just doing anything that pushes you outside of your routine will enhance your creativity and will eventually make you a better entrepreneur, a better creative, a better thinker. Um, and that idea just stuck with me so hard. I was like, wow, like anytime I get like I feel upset about not having ideas or feeling bored so much of it has to do with just not no movement, like being stuck, like sitting in front of my computer trying to write something instead of going out and experiencing something new to like create this creativity and, and, and just enhanced like level of thinking, I guess. And so it wasn't like that deep at the time. I wasn't thinking about that when we were going dancing with strangers. It was for sure what Matt was saying, which was we just wanted to make people happy. It was like it sucked. The winter was longer. It was May and it was still snowing. So we're like, let's just go make some people smile. That was like the goal of the video. But for us, it was definitely uncomfortable. I remember we went up to people and they were just not having it. That was terrifying. Like you'd go up and dance and then be like, get out of my face. Like <laughs> that sucked. But for a minute, you're like, oh, wow. Like you gave empathy to the people that have to freaking hand out flyers all day, you know, on the street. Like there's, there's always something that you learn. You might not realize it when you do it. But anytime you're out of your comfort zone, it's just the ultimate way to grow and I think become a more empathetic person and more creative. Like anybody that's stuck creatively, just do something that you've never done before and I promise it'll help. Um, I'm sure you understand too that for all of the people that decide not to dance with you, there are probably equally, if not more people who choose 
to dance with you in those situations, right? For sure. And that feels even that much better when someone does yeah. reciprocate that emotion. Well, it's just being rejected a bunch of times when you finally get that yes and that success. It's just so much more rewarding. You know, if you got it right away, it'd be like, oh, fuck. Well, that was easy. I don't need to do that again. But yeah, the rejection is key in, in the happiness, I think. For okay. sure. So then from there, Thomas, you had been making YouTube videos. Were any of them similar? And then my my follow-up mm. question to that for Matt is what made you, after making one video with Thomas, want to m make more videos with Thomas? Yeah. So one question for Thomas, one question for yeah. Matt. Uh, no, they were not at all like what I was thinking now. Oh, my God. It was like – it was so the idea behind – my first channel was called Practical Procrastination. And the idea behind the first channel that I had was to combine useful information with – like entertainment so i wanted to have like so it was kind of like life hacks and trying to make them illustrate them or explain them through skits so i would explain the life hack and i'd find like random lists online or like on reddit or whatever of like student life hacks or dating life hacks whatever like random ideas and i turn them into skits um it was pretty cringy like i'd play characters i was terrible on camera like just nope it was awful man i mean I had so much fun doing it, but it was looking back at them now, like I, I cringe so hard. These guys always like is they're, that they're channel the current yes there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's because prac procrastination yeah. is still the we haven't URL. figured out how to change the yeah. freaking. You can't. Yeah, once it started, you can. We, if you do YouTube dash yes theory, it comes up. Yeah. Yes theory comes up, but uh, if you just click on our channel, yeah, it's prac procrastination. So oh, amazing. Yeah, and then I mean, I was doing that. The only thing, I, I freaking loved editing. I loved the process of making the video. And that's when I was like, okay, there's something here. And then I don't know why the hell you thought I would be a good idea to make videos with. Yeah, um, so from dancing uh, with Thomas, yeah. what was next? How did? Why did you continue? Well, I remember the specific instance where I had seen Thomas's channel and we had just made the video together. And I was working at a bar at the time. And I invited him over to the bar and I sat him down and I told him, I was like, Thomas, listen, you are such a good editor. Your videos are so funny. And I think if you continue, you're going to be one of the biggest YouTube, YouTube stars in the world. And I was like, yeah, I was like, this is really, really good stuff. Like, you should definitely keep it up. And then we, we didn't talk too much after that. Like, we stayed in touch for a bit. Um... What reconnected us? It was so I, I was broke as hell, like doing these videos and like after college ended the deal with my parents was they'll support me through college so I don't have to work during college and then the day I'm done, no more money from parents. So like from January mm -hmm. like we started making videos in like May. So from January all the way until June when we started Project Thirty, I was just doing like random jobs. And one thing that, this was super random. My friend and I, we would DJ at parties just for fun. Like, they, our friends called us YouTube DJs. So we'd show up and would, like, open two tabs and have two different songs and would fade out the music on one song and fade up the one on the next. Amazing. And people people loved it. Like, I think, like, our playlists were pretty dope. <laughs> Dude. People loved it. People were dancing, <laughs> dog, at parties. This guy's friends with Flume. It man. was, like, yeah. probably cut back. It was probably pretty lame. But we thought it was dope. And so one day we borrowed like a DJ set from a friend and played at a at the bar of our school, and uh, it turned into a huge party. Like I don't know, it like there was like there was some kind of event, and uh, there was like a 
it was after an LGBTQ plus event. And so people were just, I don't know, ready to party. And we just put on some Beyonce and people were feeling it. And then the head of the LGBTQ plus society came and asked us if we wanted to DJ. And he was like, what's your rate? And Jeremiah and I, my friend, my college uh, roommate at the time, we look at each other. We're like, I don't know, like, like, like 500. <laughs> and he's like, all right. We were like, what? He's like, yeah, like, you, can you guys play for like two hours at our event, like on Friday? We were like, wait, for like for real, for 500? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, is that usually your rate? Yeah, that's our rate. Dude, we literally have never DJed before. That was our first time ever DJing. We're like, we're going to be rich, boys. <laughs> like, just trying to get DJ gigs. So I was like, you know what? We're going to go to the coolest bar in the city and get that gig too after that one. Um, and that's where Matt was working. He was working at pretty much like the coolest bar in Montreal, like the bar that everybody wow. wanted to go to. Seriously. Wow. And I walk in and he's walking out and I didn't know he worked there, but I'm walking in, he's walking out and I'm like, Matt. Oh, yeah. And he, he's like, what are you doing here? I was like, I want a DJ here. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can you introduce me to your manager, to your boss? You're like, oh. <laughs> Wait, hold on, yeah. Yeah, he was like a mess. Tell, tell that story of like yeah. your perception there. Well, the second he told me, I was like, all right, well, first off, just give me a card or something. Like, let me listen to this music. I was like, no, 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 yeah. tell me now. <laughs> well, you had some music up on SoundCloud. Yeah, I was like, I have it with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I checked out the music on SoundCloud, and I'm not going to lie, it was terrible. What? Dude, <laughs> I'll show you the playlist. It's, it's <laughs> it, was, it, was not, it was not Suwu, which is the name of my bar. It was not Suwu material. So I, I kind of, it was like the classic thing where you're like, yeah, man, it's great. It's great. I'll, I'll get in touch. And I didn't really tell Julian, my boss, because there were so many people coming all the time asking to be DJs. And I was like, oh, it's just another one of these guys. But the great thing about that is, even though you didn't get the gig, that is what reconnected us. And then we talked for a bit. And then w it, it was almost like within a month, like a bunch of stuff started happening. Like I fell in love with this girl in Montreal in the summer. Um, and then within two to three weeks uh found out that she was dating a dude twice her age like on this like it was this really weird drama kind of situation uh, and she told me on the day like on one of the days and that was one of the days i texted thomas i was like you know what fuck this shit like we should do something fun uh this summer sucks and then thomas was kind of stuck because he couldn't like he didn't like his job and he wasn't really like finding what he he wanted to do and he didn't want he was applying for nine to five kind of jobs but wasn't really motivated to do any of them um and then we were just talking texting back and forth like what can we do that would be so fun you know and like we were hanging out more and more every night it sounds like it's turning into a romance <laughs> it was <laughs> very it was not, very, not turning into very a much turned into a bromance yeah. and then uh and then one night one night everything changed uh, I, I was like, Thomas, I am a huge fan of these guys called The Buried Life, um, where they, they essentially do a, a lot of like what we do now, which is they get out of their comfort zones. They do stuff they want to do before they die. So they have this bucket list that they fulfill. Uh, it was a great MTV show. And I was obsessed, dude. I was obsessed with these guys. And Thomas had never heard about them, so I showed it to him. We watched it one night. We watched like three episode episodes. One where they sneak into the uh, the Playboy Mansion. Like one where they streak. Um, like all this hilarious stuff. And I didn't think much of it. I left and I went home, and I passed out. And then the next day, I get a text from Thomas. And what did you say? Do you remember what you told me? Well, I, it was like I couldn't sleep. Like after you showed me that, because for me, like sneaking in. And then I never thought of filming it. For me, I was sneaking in just for fun. Like it was so thrilling and exciting. 
And then I saw these guys sneak into the Playboy Mansion. I was like, this is this is genius. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, and like you, you had hyped, you've been hyping it up so much. And I was like, man, I don't want to watch your show. And then you came over and you're like, we're putting this on right now. And you're going to watch three of these episodes. I'm like, fuck. All right, fine. And it blew my mind. Like that was, I, 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 I lied down and I couldn't sleep. I was just thinking of a million things. And I started to write. I remember just t- like millions of ideas, probably all terrible. But I was like, we should do all this stuff. And then I think it was at 3 a.m. or something because you were working. And I, yeah, I was up at 3 a.m. I couldn't, I literally couldn't sleep. And then I knocked on my roommate's door at 2 a.m. and he was sleeping. And my first idea was, he was sleeping. I was like, Nick. He's like, what? What is it? And I turned his lights on. <laughs> I have this idea. I'm going to do something I've never done before every day for a year and make a video about it every day. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why? You can't even edit like a video in a week. How are you going to do it for a year? And like it was this weird combination of I had just you just showed me that. And Casey had just launched his vlog where he said, I want to make a creative piece every single day. And so that was the logic of like I, there was these two huge, super powerful ideas that I just like related to so much that made me excited to like create. And so I kind of merged them. And then he's like, you should probably start like this was 2 a.m. Like he was half asleep. Like you should probably start with something smaller, like do it for like a few days or a week. A month. <laughs> A month and I just text Matt yo we should do something new every day for a month and make a video and then the next day you answered you're like fuck yeah let's do it yeah like so instantly it was just like that's that's the idea and that's how project 30 started yeah and that's how project 30 started and originally project 30 was supposed to be more around Thomas so we were gonna help Thomas get out of his comfort zone for a whole month um, or at the time I was because uh, it was just him and I and then gradually yeah, over time it, it became more of a group thing and how did I mean I I've seen the video of how the group has come together, mm-hmm. um, but how quickly did that happen? Like how how quickly after did the group come together? It was, it was just instantaneous, dude. That's the craziest thing about this whole life right now that we have, is how fast everything happened. We Thomas and I decided we were going to do it. Uh, we need to find a producer, so we contacted a guy named Andreas, who was this hilarious Turkish dude uh, who had produced films at our school. So he came on board and helped us produce the first like few episodes. And we were going to stay at his place because Thomas was getting kicked out of his place. So he was going to provide like the location for the 30 days. Uh, and as we were starting to discuss all this, and like we were probably a week away from beginning, Thomas was at his best friend's uh, birthday party on a rooftop one night. And... Uh, his best friend comes up to him in the middle of the night and he's like, dude, you should meet this guy. Uh, he's really interesting. Nobody knows him here, but he just showed up. Like, you should talk to him. And that dude was Amar. Of course. Yeah. Of he had course snuck up, Amar. he had snuck up to the, to the rooftop with two girls that he had just met. Um, and so he was introducing himself to everybody, of course. And he was telling people, which is true that he's the only person in the world with the legal permit to climb the P- Great Pyramid of Giza. And so him and, and T-Boogie start talking. And I remember that night, this is before you and Amara actually got to know each other even more. I remember that night Thomas comes in and I was working at the bar, Suwu. It was like 2 a.m. It was fucking wiped. And Thomas comes in. He's like, dude, do you want to climb the Great Pyramid of Giza? <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, all right. 
what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, and so he started telling me about Amar, and I was like, damn, that's really cool, actually. That's really interesting. Like, we should talk to this guy. And so I think the next day, right, you and Amar had a coffee. How was that? Oh, I showed up late, too. Of and of I used to party a lot more than I do now, so I was a bit hungover, too, and I show up. And Amar's, like, doesn't drink. He was, like, wearing almost like a suit. He was, like, super well-dressed. Because it was almost like he had a startup, and I had worked on startups, too. And so he was actually, like, interested in my network, too. Like, so it was almost like a meeting, you know? And he was trying to pitch me. He wanted almost to recruit me for his startup. Like, because, like, we realized we had so much shared experience. And um, his current co-founders weren't great. And so we're meeting. I thought he just wanted to kick it. And he's basically pitching me his startup now, trying to hire me. And I'm like... Hey, man, <laughs> listen, <laughs> first of all, I'm hungover. <laughs> Second of all, I'm doing, there's no chance, like I'm doing this thing called Project 30 where I want to do thing, new things every day. Um, and it was actually very aligned. His startup was an app that the idea was, it was called One Up. And the idea was you did a challenge, like let's say a 180 in, ski, in skiing on a jump. And then you say One Up. And then a friend of yours can go do a 360 and then he just one up to you. So the idea was to push each other to kind of overcome challenges, push yourselves beyond your limits. And so there was like some alignment there. Um, and he, his, it didn't work out with his co-founder, so he needed a place to crash. Like he was sleeping at his co-founder's place initially. I was like, you know what, you can crash at my place for a couple of days. Um, I've literally never done that before. That was the first time I used to be like very cautious towards strangers, very to myself. I had like my group of friends. I'd meet people out, like become friends, but I would never, ever, ever let a freaking stranger some dude i literally just snuck into my friend's party sleep on my couch like no chance and i'm very protective with my space and my privacy too so just knowing that there's going to be this guy like lingering i was like but i i was in this weird state of like you know what i want to do things i've never done before and i've never hosted a random dude on my couch so screw it and he seems cool um and so the day after that i, I told him nicely and i didn't think he'd actually do it and he texted me like two hours later and he's like, after we met, he's like, yo, can I actually sleep at your house? <laughs> I was like, oh man, he's actually, he's actually coming now. <laughs> I committed to this. I guess I kind of should tell my roommates. <laughs> and then the next day I was out, I think learning how to use a camera. My friend was a photographer and I literally didn't know how to use a camera. So I asked him like, can you show me how to use like ISO and like aperture and all this stuff? So I was with him. Uh, when Amar showed up, I think we we're supposed to meet at four. And at the same time, I had invited you over and I, I come late. There's a pattern here. I'm late sometimes. <laughs> I'm bitter now. <laughs> but back then I was late a lot. And uh, I show up and I see them from far, both waiting at my front door, just dying laughing. Like, I don't know what you guys were talking about, but for first time I see them together, they're just dying, like cracking up. Like I, I, it was just chemistry, like outside my door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he shows Amar is. You, you remember he's one of those people you just remember, like his aura, his energy. And I remember him. I was at the door, walking up, all suited up too. He had just gone from like an investor meeting, and he's just got his big eyes, and he's like, ah, "Nice to meet you. I'm Amar." I was like, "Whoa, okay, <laughs> all right." And then yeah, we were just kicking it for I, I think just like ten, fifteen minutes. It's funny, even like thinking about those moments, you're like, wow. I think it's almost like meeting your wife for the first time. You're like, if only I had known, you know, if only right. I had known this guy would become my best friend who knows like every single little piece about me. And I know, every yeah, it's crazy. That Anyways. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So 
so from that moment when he's sleeping on your couch, then um, how do you start? How do you pull him in to make videos? How do you pull him away? Was it because things weren't going well with his startup, or uh, how does he how does he get involved with what you guys are doing? Well, no, to be honest, things were going actually pretty well for his startup. That's the funny part is he came to Montreal. He met this person on a plane whose husband was an investor. Uh, they set up a meeting. Amar brought Thomas to the meeting, and the investors offered them $100,000 to own a little piece of Amar's company with no product, nothing. Wow. Uh, this was like a day after we had all met or a few days after we had all met. So Amar like had an opportunity with his app, and on top of that, like an ex-Google executive wanted him as an intern in New York, uh, which he had signed on for like a few months before. So he was supposed to go down to New York three or four days later to intern while working on his startup. So he he had tons of stuff going on. So he had no time to be filming anything with us, like a few dudes he had just met with like a small idea. And uh, we loved him instantly. And like he already had so many ideas and he was running around filming and like so excited about everything. And we were already in like the first stages of filming everything. And we're like, dude, you should... Like, you should just stay, you know? You should stay at least for a month, see what it's like, have fun. Like, we'll all be sleeping in the same apartment. It'll be hilarious. And then you can go off, you know, and do your thing. And he's like, guys, are you crazy? Like, I just got $100,000. <laughs> and I have this Google exec that wants to work with me. And we're like, yeah, fair enough. Um, so we kind of gave up on the idea. And the day before he was supposed to go down to New York, we were all sitting on a couch. And we were just talking. And this seven days into Project 30? Yeah. Oh, is that early on? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, so we had started Project Amar 30. Had been and Amar had been filming and in, in them. Okay, he had been yeah. in the videos. He was supposed to leave. Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. He was supposed to leave within a week or two. And uh, and we were just sitting. We had, I guess we had filmed an episode, and we were all just, like, laying in Thomas's couch. I forget what we were talking about. And then all of a sudden, Amar literally just gets up out of his chair like this. And we were like... He doesn't say anything. We're like, what the fuck? And he's like, guys. He's like, I've just had a vision. I'm going to stay. We're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? Explain yourself. And he was like, I have this this thing in my chest that this is going to be just huge. Like, I just know in my in my bones deep down that, like, I've had fla- like flash forwards of interviews we're doing and like this thing being massive. And we're like, all right, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> all right, tell us more. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he this literally it was like a switch in his head. Just the commitment. He just committed within like five seconds from like a complete, obviously a no because it was rational to like you saw, he just saw the future. And Amar is kind of like that where he just like sees things kind of before a lot of us do. Um, well here, I mean, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but he'll predict shit that you're like, no way. And then six months later, you're like, well, that just happened. You called that well, six months ago. And, and I want to stay in this time period, but yeah. like I, I got, I don't know. I started to feel a little emotional hearing that story. And I'm sure you guys did too. Just being there last week with you guys and mm-hmm. watching Amar jump out of that helicopter yeah. And bungee jump and, and give advice to Will Smith about <laughs> yeah. how he should jump. Like what yeah. witnessing him do that and hearing that story is insane, man. Like I got chills just hearing that and, and seeing you act that out. Yeah. 
I do want to understand your seven videos into Project 30. Mm -hmm. What is the response like on YouTube? And then how are you guys feeling sort of regardless of that? Well, we weren't expecting very much, I think. After our first video together and how poorly it did, we were like, all right, well, we got to start small, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and the first few videos we put up, it was mostly just for friends. Yeah. And I think we, we, we noticed kind of early on that people were interested. Like, we would post a video. Like, I remember Thomas did a stand-up uh, for the first time. It was, like, one of our first few episodes. And I remember a few of my friends from home being like, dude, like, I love what you guys are doing. Like, this is really freaking cool. And it was getting, like... 400 500 views still mm -hmm. but to get that kind of reaction and like friends were sharing it without us even asking them on facebook and so even though the views were low and like it was all very new we noticed that quickly people were becoming attached to the like the consistency and the message we were putting out um and like i think that's what kind of hooked us we were like damn this could have actually more impact than we think you know it's not just for us it's not just for us having fun like this is impacting friends we haven't talked to in years mm -hmm. who are hitting us up out of nowhere being like, dude, I just saw that thing you shared on Facebook. I fuck it. I loved it. <laughs> you know? And we're like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's amazing the significance of that yes from Amar yeah. to stay when you really think about it. Yeah. Like one of the first yeses being from Amar. Changed everything. I think we were like pulling out spreadsheets. We were like, dude, if you go to New York, <laughs> yeah. this is what you're going to be doing. And if you're staying, True. We were the two. yeah, we were like, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. It was like, you're going to be part of just starting this the first seven days. And we're like, by the end of this, it's going to be huge. And you're going to be in New York doing spreadsheets. <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah, almost anything. <laughs> yeah, he was like, all right. We were like, what's three weeks in your life? You know, like, it, yeah, we tried to reason it as much as possible. But at the end, it came from him. Like, he just had that realization, which is just a pretty funny. So now moment. Amar's in. Yeah. Shot seven. What does day eight through 30 look like? What's that ride like? Hmm. What's that experience like? And you guys are all living in the same apartment? Yeah. So Amar and I sh uh, shared a, like this tiny pull-out couch uh, for the whole time. Uh, it was it was a combination. It was it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was a challenge. It was truly a challenge to actually do a video every day and then come up with ideas. Like we had this huge list of ideas, but we realized like few of them were actually doable. We had zero budget, so it's like it had to be free for us to do pretty much. And um, and we barely knew each other. So it's like, all right, how do we like how do we do this? Uh, but weirdly enough, we complemented each other really well. Like I remember to go back a little bit after like in that period where Matt and I start to watch the buried life or like start to brainstorm ideas. I remember we had talked about making a video and you just showed up the next day and you were like, all right. Should we start filming? I'm like, wait, but we got to like plan. And you were like, it's fine. Like that idea dancing with strangers, like that's good. Let's go. Like Matt just knew how to get shit done. Mm. And I'm, I, I loved like, you know, perfecting the thought and like planning it and figure out which locations we should go to. You were like, let's just take the camera and leave. Like, let's just go do it. And Amar is the kind of guy that just thinks about, dude, we could like build a country in space <laughs> with like, <laughs> It'd be easy. Like, seriously, all you need is, like, a bunch of ships and to, like, build a new atmosphere. Um, yeah, like, yeah. literally, like, that's the kind of shit he would do. And then Matt goes, oh, boy. <laughs> how, how do we bring this back to reality? And how do we actually create an action plan to do this, you know? And I'm somewhere in the middle. 
you know, I'll be like, well, I like Amar's idea, but I also see how, I don't know how we're going to do this, you know? <laughs> like, so I have to like try to bring them together a little bit. <laughs> um, but somehow we figured out a way to work together. I'm not really sure. Like you and Amar were always planning the ideas and like while I was editing. So I'd be editing, would film, I'd edit eight hours a day because um, I'd do voiceovers and all that stuff. I slept not much. And then you guys would start filming or planning like the next video as I was editing. Um, and it was just like a race against time um, as much as it was just like a, an insane experience of just new, just new things happening all the time. And especially going from kind of like a rigid, all of us had been in college, like not like we had lived boring lives, but it had been like slow for a bit. Like we we're both working in bars. It wasn't like not much had happened. I, I literally remember in June, looking back at my first six months out of college and being so disappointed at myself. I was like, wow, I've done nothing exciting. There is time literally flew by. I haven't done. If I ran into an old friend, I don't know what I would tell him. Like mm. that. I've what like what have I been up to? Like I've just been planning stuff and nothing is working. Like, yeah, I'm doing skits on YouTube. That's that's exciting. <laughs> like here they are like pretty cool, right? I'm wearing wigs and shit you know it's like it was it was embarrassing um and so to have a month of like new experiences every day like one of those would be worth you know telling for a lifetime mm. and so every single one of them was to accumulate so many in a row was was so thrilling and i think that's what we why we became friends so fast is because we're sharing these new moments where a lot of them we had to rely on each other to make them work and uh i think when you share those experiences it's like I felt closer to you guys within a month than I did with many of my friends that I had known for years. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How was it for you? Yeah, it was the same. I think we all we all connected in the same exact way. What, what were some of the the best ones, like the ones that stood out out of the 30, and then the maybe the like hardest ones or some that provided the most challenges mm -hmm. in those 30 days? It's funny, I remember there's a specific moment, it was like halfway through, uh, where we were sitting in the park in Montreal, and we were like, we're out of ideas. We have 15 days left, and we have no more ideas. And I was just sitting with these guys, and I was like, what the f what are we going to do? Like, we can't give up now. Like, we've come so far, but, like, people are going to be bored if we put out terrible content, so is it even worth it? Uh... And then that night, like, we had another spark and another brainstorm. Like, an idea came up, just one, for the next day. And we're like, okay, whoo, one more day. We just got one more day, and we're good. Day 16. And they thought, that's as far as we go, okay, but at least we have day 16. And then, on day 19, we made a video um, where we snuck into the hotel of where the Chelsea football team was staying. And we, uh, it was like this whole thing where we managed to sign their two best players to our fake soccer team and we thought it was hilarious and like we were so excited about it we couldn't believe we had like pulled it off and that night thomas edited the video he killed it and then darren and i darren was the fourth member who we had met like a little bit into yes theory love you darren if you're watching this uh and darren and i every night would spend like three to four hours emailing bloggers uh just like hitting them with different titles like kind of a b testing titles and just pounding the message down their throats, you know? And the more and more we did it, the more and more we realized it had to be very niche for bloggers to pay attention. So for that one in particular, 
Darren and I emailed almost only Chelsea football blogs and writers. Uh, and we are like, okay. Like, we've done our best shots. We would go to bed at, like, 2 a.m. And we woke up at, like, 7 or 8 a.m. the next day. And usually when we would wake up the next day, we'd have, like, 500 views again. And I go, okay. And when we woke up that morning in the apartment, it had, I think it had, like, 2,000 views. And I remember looking. Everybody was sleeping. And I, like, woke up Amar. I was like, Amar. Look at this fucking video, dude. <laughs> Look at the views on this video. What is happening? What is happening? And then I refreshed it, and it went to 3,000 views. And I got up in my boxers, and I just started fucking screaming. I was like, it's going fucking viral. It's going viral. And, like, everybody went crazy. Everybody went crazy. And Lad Bible hit us up. Like, Unilad wow. hit us up. It was, like, it ended up being in all these major blogs. It ended up getting, like, 100,000 views, 110,000 wow. views. Yeah, within, like, yeah, that's 24 hours or 48 hours. Yeah. And, I mean, that was, like, 19 days into, like, knowing each other or yeah. filming together. So we were, like, what the hell? We are the biggest things in the world. <laughs> we're, like, we are the most famous people in the world. You know? We'd walk around and be, like, how come nobody is recognizing us? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? Like, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, that's, guys. A, that's a huge win. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge win five days after a creative slump. Dude. I, I mean, that's that that I would imagine that that helped shape everything next, after. Yeah, everything after. I think from that point on, the fear of ever running, like people always ask, kind of ask us, like, are you afraid of running out of ideas? I think that kind of put it into ever feeling. Like, obviously, there's kind of that doubt. It's like, shit. That next idea is not great, but we uh, generally we feel like we're the ideas are just endless. Uh, I think maybe because of that moment, you know. I think that's what resonated with me the most from that story was thinking like yes theory now looking at what it is today. Yeah. To think that at what was day fifteen, <laughs> yeah, you guys were saying oh we're out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now we're three years later, and you're three still years. coming up with ideas all the time. Like you're, you're, right. ne you're never out of ideas. There's always somewhere to go, For sure. somewhere to find an idea. And I think it comes back to what Thomas was saying earlier about his professor. It was like, you sh it's like a the world is a gold mine of ideas. Mm -hmm. The problem is you're just exploring one little area. You know, most people are. They're staying in one place or talking to the same people, and you rarely go outside of that to explore. And that's where the that's where the gold is. I liked when Thomas said, like, uh, his professor said, like, maybe watch a, a movie in Korean. Like, yeah. You may think you're out of ideas, but have you watched a movie <laughs> yeah, in Korean yet? Yeah. Have you who knows Korean what that'll make you think. Korean movies are crazy. Yeah, also it'll love, teach you a lot. I also love the visual of you freaking out in your boxers showing everyone a video. <laughs> yeah. Because the embodiment of that again in 2018 yeah. was that video where you see that Will has accepted your challenge. Again. And it's the exact same again. thing. And I love just thinking back to that yeah. apartment and thinking... However big this has gotten, uh -huh. that hasn't changed. The like excitement. the excitement level, yeah. the um, ideation, even like we, you know, we had the opportunity to brainstorm with you guys recently, yeah. which was honestly a, such a fun opportunity for us. For sure, we, we've seen you guys come up with ideas before. Sitting here when we when we talked about the idea of throwing mm -hmm. a party at a stranger's house, it was yeah. amazing, such a fun experience. But like all those little things that we see now in the size and scope of what this whole concept has become mm -hmm. haven't changed that much it sounds like from project 30 it's still in your boxers still in my boxers <laughs> still in the back room yeah, yeah still with the same sheets of paper doing the same yeah, brainstorming so, style so i have a i have a couple more questions for you guys for sure? one um being at the grand canyon and spending time with your family thomas was really really special mm -hmm. and so fun to just see them 
how they were reacting to everything of, of, of some amazing just embodiment of what you guys have done, like a culmination of, of so much work. Um, but what was your family and both of your families thinking during this time, Project 30? How did they react to you guys making YouTube videos? Yeah, Matt or Thomas, whoever wants to start. Um, I, I think, but dude, I mean, telling your parents <laughs> who have supported you through your education <laughs> until the age of 23 at that point that you're going to start a YouTube channel <laughs> is like pretty much a slap in the face, I think. So initially it wasn't, you know, initially I was like, mom, I'm just going to, you know, do this for 30 days and then, you know, that'll be it. I think when they started to get really worried was after where it was like, okay, you guys have like, I think we had like 2000 subscribers after the 30 days and they were like, okay, are you actually planning on continuing this? And we were like, yeah, <laughs> like this is, we're going to do this full time. You know, this is our lives now. And they were like, you're out of your freaking mind. You know, there's just no way. And Thomas, who talks to his dad pretty much every single day, uh, was worrying his dad so much that he they had to stop talking for a whole month. They didn't talk a single day for a whole month. And it apparently tortured his dad and tortured Thomas, too. I remember how much it sucked for you. And like that was around Oct October and November. And I think that, dude, the recurring theme in all of this is like, it's like the the nadir, you know, like the pit where you think you're you're mm -hmm. the bottom. Like we just had just finished the 30 days and we didn't really know who we were, what we were going to do after. Like we were changing our name and we were trying to maintain this audience and it just wasn't working. And like Thomas's dad wasn't talking to him. My mom was calling me every day being mad. And like it's just that constant thing where you're like you feel like you're at rock bottom and you feel like you can't figure it out. And then you have no freaking idea that a month or two from now what ended up happening to us a month after we got a call or we got got on the front page of reddit with one of our videos uh which gained us like a few thousand new subscribers and then after that um because of the traction from that reddit video and the added audience snapchat contacted us in november um to come through this period very fast am i it was a very long, shitty period. Yeah, I'd I like wanna, to remember it. I, I, no, well, I, I think You're I'd like, like to... Thomas, I'd love to hear more about the um, perseverance through this period. Like, yeah. perseverance or not, like, how... What was that like to not talk to your dad? What was it like... What was the dynamic like between the three of you? Were you guys... Or the four of you, sorry. Were you guys looking at each other and saying, like, should we stop? Is this, well, is this dumb? Well, first of all, the reason why Project Theory was going to be about me in the beginning was because Matt was too embarrassed. You didn't even want to tell your... That was your way out for your parents. You were like, oh, no, I'm just helping him. I don't know if you remember that, but you were telling your mom, I'm just helping this guy for this project. I'm not going to be a part of it. Like, I was like, dude, be a part of it. And you were like, I can't. My, my parents are going to kill me. Um, so it had to be like Thomas and his friends, not like all of us together, just because of that. Um, and... Uh, I mean, the one that has the trickiest situation with family is, is definitely Amar. Mm -hmm. But this was a period where all of us, like, it got better for me. But, dude, the first time I told, I remember this. I was at my cousin's wedding. This was a week or two after I got the idea of doing Project 30. And I told my cousins and my sister, and they started crying. They were like, you're going to do what? It's like, yeah, it's going to be Project 30. I pitched it super badly, I, like really poorly. I was like, we're going to like eat insects and we're going to like sneak into places. And they're like, are you insane? Like you're going to film yourself doing all this like 
crazy stuff and put it on YouTube, like you're never gonna like no one is ever gonna want to hire you after this. And I was like, I, 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 I struggled to explain why I wanted to do it at the time, and I was like, you know what, guys, like leave me alone. I'm gonna do it, and it'll work out. And my parents were like, okay, you know, it's a cute, like, YouTube project. Like, it's a fun. My mom was like, oh, it's, she's always supporting creativity. So she was happy, like, you know, it's good that he's, like, trying out creative things. And, and, like, my dad and I had bonded for years over entrepreneurship. When I was 18, I started my first company, and he's been an entrepreneur. So that was, like, our, like, we just vibed so much off of that. He became, like, my mentor um, from for, like, years. So when I started doing YouTube, he connected less with it. He didn't understand it. He didn't know why I wanted to do it. He didn't see the value in it, really. Um, and just like Matt, after the 30 days, they were like, oh, well, you're actually, like, doing this. Um, and like Matt said, like, I got a phone call from my parents, and they never call me together. Like, I don't think they ever, like, they very rarely call me both on the on the line. And I remember Amar and I were out in another university looking for a designer because we wanted to build a logo for uh, what it was called at the time which was Generation Why Not uh, that's what we called it for a, f- a few months for a year almost um, and we're in this university and all of a sudden they get a phone call and they're just rattled I've never ha- my parents have never like they've been angry at me at, like at a few instances but I've never felt them that angry at me my dad barely remembers this conversation like when I bring it up like he almost like it's almost weird to bring it up but they were so pissed I've they don't remember they said this but they like they said we question how we've raised you and this made my make might make might make my parents seem terrible but they were just so like scared for for me for like having gone to McGill studied entrepreneurship like business and computer science like done so well like every summer I was working in Silicon Valley with like investors on my business and now I'm doing freaking YouTube videos where some of the things we were putting up, like sneaking into places, is illegal. It's like, why are you putting this to, out to the world? Like, this closes so many doors. And they were so upset about that. And uh, I told them at the end of that phone call, you know what? Like, I don't have the answers for you right now. I don't know. I can't tell you that this is going to be, like, work out. But I promise you, like, people do make a living off YouTube. Like, I'm not going to be living on a couch for the rest of my life. But, I don't know, they were just not having it. They were just so upset. They were like, stop immediately. Like, this is just not going to work out. Um, it's like, it's cool. Like, I'm sure your friends are nice. They hadn't met you guys yet. Um, and they were like, I'm sure your friends are nice. But it was just a project. You Like, you got to move on. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'll speak to you. Give me 30 days. Give me a month. And I'll have some answer for you. And day 29, we went viral on Reddit. Or viral. We went on the front page. Um and that kind of just created a whole new momentum. Like, I remember, like, I was I was crying. I came back from work. I was working at this clothing store making eight bucks an hour. Like, it was terrible. Literally eight Canadian dollars an hour. That's six USD. You can't even get Tim Hortons Dude, on that. I can't. Yeah. This, I, I, it's, it's not like. I was paying for rent. Yeah, Matt was paying for rent. He was hooking it up. He was, you know, he, he was Papa Cash at the time. Um, and, uh, dude, I remember. <laughs> this is probably the most one of the most embarrassing moments moments of my life. I walked after working, I walked to the corner store and I wanted to buy a pack of gum which cost a dollar fifty. And my debit card bounced and it said lack of funds. And there was three people behind me and the dude working in the corner store was like embarrassed for me. 
He was like, it says lack of funds. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> but, but dude, yeah. dude literally everybody heard me. And I was like, and I was dressed like terrible too. It was like sweatpants. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. Like people were like staring at me like, what the fuck? Can you, you can't afford a pack of gum. It was so sad. And I don't know if it was the same day, but it was in that period. I walk, come back at like 6 or 8 p.m. And Matt's looking up at me. He's on the computer in the living room. Like literally our table was like a cardboard box. And he's like, dude, it's climbing on Reddit. We're going viral. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? It's like it's climbing. And we kept refreshing. And every time it was. What, yeah, what, what was the video? So it was like a montage of the three days oh, wow. of Project 30. So, you know, we had spent quite a bit of time writing the script and um, just trying to get like the overall message of, of why we did this across. Um, it had been sprinkled across the videos, but we hadn't properly explained it. And this was the first time we did it. Um, I don't know. We, we had high hopes for the video, but I don't think we expected it to, to like change like our lives like that much. Like I had at that point, I almost lost hope. It was at the point where I was like day 29. I have nothing for my parents. Like we've uploaded three videos since I talked to them. None of them passed a thousand views. It's like, what, what am I going to tell them? Like I can't. And like Amar had a, like a huge scholarship in Canada, full ride scholarship for being one out of two extraordinary talented, uh, African students. Hmm. Uh, paid by MasterCard to go for a full ride scholarship, wow. and he had to he had to make a choice to drop that scholarship within that like period too. He had like a few weeks to decide, so there was like, and you had to tell your parents that you were going to commit to this. You closed your clothing company. There was like just giant shifts in our lives, and all we had was like sitting in our tiny living room, like looking at each other, being like, we got we got we have no choice. Like we literally burnt. We're burning our bridges right now. We had no choice. We have to make this work. And um, we had like some just moments where like we were hugging each other. And, we, and I remember when we went viral on Reddit, we were all crying, like standing in like the, the, the crossroads of our different rooms and just hugging each other and feeling like, holy crap, like, I think like we're going to be OK. Like it's going to. You know, and, and this was just like a video. We were like third page of Reddit at that point. But all you need at that moment is just like a little mm -hmm. spark of hope that can make all the difference. And so at that point, people were hating on the video because I, I part of the script, which was poorly written. I said that I had spent four months thinking about what I wanted to do, which was those four months after college where I was just not feeling productive, not doing anything. And so people were like, oh, classic millennials, like, you know, not working or like their parents probably paid for them to do all this stuff. Um, so we got a lot of hate for that. I was like, you know what? Like we'd never gotten hate before. Like we had 400 views per video. It was like mostly friends and family. Like all the comments were like, you guys are so nice. And like the videos <laughs> yeah, are yeah. great. And all of a sudden you have the Reddit troll community yep. just destroying you. That's a scary community. And like, and they're shitting on me. They're t telling me like, I have like a birthmark on my here. They're telling me I have herpes, all this shit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to respond to every single one of these motherfuckers oh boy. <laughs> and I'm going to show them. And there was like, hundreds of comments at that point which turned into thousands and i sat up and i answered comments until 6 a.m whole night uh from 9 p.m i like ate dinner at the desk i was drinking coffee just answering comments like huge paragraphs to give everybody context and people started to give me reddit gold um they were like they're loving it like you know usually answering a hater is like mm -hmm. you're not supposed to but the community loved that we were all sitting there answering everybody's like hate and everybody's criticism like giving more context 
And I think that boosted it up to front page and ended up being in the top 10. Um, and I think it got two or 300,000 views or something like that within like a week. Wow. And that eventually, I mean, it gave us so much momentum and like it gave me something to show to my parents to like, it just, it, it didn't solve it, but it was like, okay, that, that gives me a couple more months to figure something out. And then that super strange email came. Much to this whole thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, even in just what Thomas said, there's so much to unpack there. I know uh, it's it's unbelievable. You could do an entire podcast on just those <laughs> months, which yeah. I think are the most fascinating and important. Mm-hmm. Thomas said some one word that I wrote down that I thought was really interesting, just to just to talk about. You said um, I, I had done well uh, up until that point, mm-hmm. and I thought that that concept was really interesting because all of you guys had done things that. Um, in the grand context of things, if you write them down on paper, they do sound like success, right? Starting a company, um, Amar having a scholarship, and just thinking about the, like, like Thomas, you starting a company at 18, like thinking about the concept of um, this transformation period, the this time between Project 30 and Snapchat feels like the time where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys kind of broke away from the concept of what everyone else considered was success and what everyone else considered was quote unquote doing well and had to define it by yourselves and had to define it within the three of you and no one else was going to understand. And that to me, those moments feel like some of the most challenging to get through. If you have the perseverance to get through that, there's something pretty amazing on the other Mm -hmm. side. But that to me is the ultimate time of seeking discomfort for you guys. I think, I think this is the moment Thomas, I think this is the moment where Thomas tells the story of his ex-girlfriend. Okay. Because so, this is around when it was happening, where we were right. struggling. We were struggling so hard. And Thomas was dating this girl. And she was great. But uh, she was like a very much like a like a rigid student. Like she comes from an Asian family. Uh, and she was studying to become a lawyer. Uh, and then one night in the middle of all of this, while we were struggling, T-Boogie went out with her <laughs> on a date. And then... It was almost like this has happened a few times since where somebody just, you'll see. But anyways, I'll let you explain because it's a great story. Another one. First of all, I think you nailed it on the head there. That gave me shivers what you were saying because it felt like us versus the world. Mm -hmm. It was like nobody gets it, but we get it. You know, we'd look at each other. We'd be like, are we insane? Are we insane or do they just not get it? No, they just don't get it. That's the answer. It's like we, we know from the bottom of our hearts that we don't know if it's going to succeed, but we know what we're doing is going to be worth it. And we know that people need to hear this message. And we went through it and it changed our lives and our minds. And we just haven't figured out how to show it to people yet. But we're so... Obviously, we had so many doubts and it's easy to be certain. And like, you know, in hindsight, it's like, of course we were... Like, there was that constant back and forth between like not knowing if we were crazy or not. And this was the lowest point of me feeling like insane. This was like in, I think it was in that month of me. I'm not talking to my parents. I'm, I can't afford a pack of freaking gum. Like we're living on a couch. Matt's paying my rent. It was just, we were getting like a thousand views per video max. Like nothing was working out. And I go on a date and I can barely, aff- like I had to saved up or I don't know if I borrowed money from you or what it was, but I was like, okay, I got to take, I had not take out my girlfriend on a single date. Like we've been dating for two months. I'd never like taken her out anywhere. I was like, all right, we'll go get a drink, you know? No, no, it was another, it was another bar. It was another bar. No, it was another bar. Sorry, bro. 
but we're sitting and it's a very like intimate cool bar with like jazz hip-hop playing like candle lights and and I just wanted to have a good time with my girlfriend like I'm like just my parents are screaming at me I have this shit job like everything just sucks and I just wanted to have a good time with my girlfriend and then she starts like scolding me she's like you know what I think your parents have a point I was like what 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 are you saying <laughs> stop this now <laughs> I'm way too sensitive right now <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm very like don't go there <laughs> You're my one safe place. <laughs> and then she's like, you know what? Like, you've been doing this for months. It's not going to go anywhere. It, it, it's like you're having fun with your friends, but it's not a serious career. Um, it, it was just, I can't remember what she said, but she was like, she was telling me, like, maybe I should go do an MBA if I don't know what I want to do or, like, get a job in the meantime or, like, she started to tell me all these things. And I just, I was boiling, like, cooking on the inside. And I was like... It just everything that I wanted to tell everyone, I just ended up telling her and I snapped. And I was like, you know what? You're like 99% of all the sheep out there that want to tell people that have a dream that they can't accomplish it just because you're too scared to chase yours. And then it was just quiet. <laughs> oh, boy. And, Call her a sheep. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you're like 99%. I said sheep or losers. I said oh something really God. mean. Sounds like whatever you said, it was beautifully well put. Yeah, that, that I, was, I was so that upset. That was piercing. I felt like you just said it to me. I yeah, like, oh. I was like, why are you sitting here telling me I can't do what I love just because you want to go to law school and do whatever your parents are telling you to do? And she started crying. <laughs> We're sitting at this like quiet little bar, and she just starts bawling tears. And I'm like, oh god, what have I done? Like I'm a, like I'm too kind to ever tell people things like that straight up. But I was too upset. I was rattled. I was exhausted. I was, I was just not happy. I was happy, but I just, I did not want that to come from her. Like I wanted her to support me in this and she just wasn't. And she stands up and tries to leave and I had to like grab her. It's like super dramatic. Everybody's looking at us like, who's this asshole making his girlfriend <laughs> cry? And I'm like, fuck. Okay. Plus like I knew it was in very close to our house. So I'm sure like I was like afraid people would see me there and whatever. So like I paid and left and we resolved it after, but it was just one of those lowest lows of like, am I crazy right now? Like everybody, including my girlfriend is telling me like I should stop. And the only people that like think otherwise are, were you guys. And we were like, are we crazy? Like literally people are calling us crying, begging us to stop. And the only thing we have is like 800 views and like 40 likes on videos. Like what are we trying to, what are we freaking doing boys? But it was just like that belief. It was like, no, but, yeah, I think it, it was the same belief going back to what Amar was, you know, that spark when he changed his mind. It was that same thing where you just know at your core, you're like, it feels so right. And it's just like maybe nobody's seeing it yet. And maybe like we're just not like the ideas haven't come yet. But, it, but I don't know. It's just like, you know, at your core, it's going to work. Mm. And nobody understands it but you. And I think beyond like getting out of our comfort zones together and beyond like doing all this fast paced stuff together, I think that's what our like our where our friendship blossomed the most was not only believing in the in the in the concept, but also believing in each other when nobody else was believing in each other. So you were like, Okay, like this person is with me at the pit of my existence and believes in me. So that whatever success or whatever happens next, like this is a person for life, you know, like when you go through something like that with somebody, it's just like it's love forever, you know. 
and it's amazing that now you guys have been through you know the lows mm-hmm. and obviously you guys have been through the highs together as well yeah um, which is pretty incredible like you know even just getting that call from snap mm-hmm. i mean i remember so vividly the first time someone truly validated what we were doing colin and i with lacrosse network it was a crazy feeling to the point where i didn't really believe it at first mm-hmm. i was like come on no one actually thinks what we're doing is valuable <laughs> right because yeah, like, yeah. you go th- we went we went two and a half years and so I can, you know, as you guys are talking about this, I can really empathize with that feeling of yeah. like it was three of us as well. Totally, totally relate to not being, not being able to explain what I was doing or where the value was, but knowing deep down that there was value to what we were doing, even yeah. though we were two and a half years in and there was no real external validation other than some viewership and comments of people who were excited about what we were doing. For sure. But we knew with such conviction and I'm, I'm hearing that from you guys and that's like, that's such an incredible thing. Uh, to have and to bond over. And then when you see it happen, like when you actually see it happen, um, it's truly life-changing. It's been life-changing for us to just tag along with you guys to some of these experiences. Mm -hmm. And actually this podcast is a very, I don't think we've ever sat for an hour and heard the stories leading up to this, Mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty fascinating. It it, it makes it so much more special to have gone through some of the things we've gone through with you guys now and and gotten able to witness them. I mean, this year, 2018 alone has been a pretty substantial year for you guys. Not only did you cross 1 million subscribers, you crossed 2 million subscribers Mm -hmm. in the same year. You launched a clothing line. You guys have jumped out of a helicopter with Will Smith. in, in 2018, when you look back, w- w- after all this, after the pit, um, like, h- how many more, I guess, h- h- how do you continue to go through the lows? Are there still lows? When you guys got um, the deal with Snapchat, when you were exposed to a much bigger audience, when you get to start doing things on a much grander scale, um, how much changes, I guess, uh, between, like, emotionally dealing with highs and lows? Because I think from the outside looking in, seeing you guys go from, you know, Project 30 to Snap to millions of subscribers on YouTube, you might assume in your head uh, from the outside that like, oh, okay, so they got through the low time. Now it's now it's smooth sailing, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Far from it. Um, I, I tell a lot of people this, that when I try to explain the ups and downs, I'm like, if you went through, I, I write a diary occasionally, uh, like once a week, just like kind of a summary of my week. And I was like, if you went through my diary over the last three years, you would think, like, I'm about to kill myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you would think life is just too crazy to even handle, even to this day. Um, and maybe it's because when I'm frustrated, I just want to write it out rather than, like, the positive stuff that I just want to, like, be in. But I think, I think it's so easy to forget how difficult it is and how much you doubt yourself and how, like, how, like the the light you can't even see the light sometimes you know um and to this day like we look back on these days and we smile and we laugh and like at all these stories but genuinely it was it was terrible like so many of these moments where we were like genuinely depressed genuinely like anxious like when you can't pay for gum you know you honestly start to question everything yeah. and that's not a happy place to be uh it's romantic looking back and i think what's happened uh i think over the last six months with all this crazy stuff, the like the the recent growth, um, has been that we've we've grown kind of accustomed to everything, and 
uh, and we we I tend to I think we tend to forget how like these problems that we're having right now like ah we didn't hit these numbers in our sales for our clothing line or ah Will Smith like like didn't mention us as much as we would have liked to on his videos you know or like stupid stuff like that but that gen like in the grand scheme of things does not matter like we we take these things and we're like oh no you know like what's happening and I think that grew so intensely for like a few months this year uh, that we were burning out and we were getting extremely depressed and anxious even though we were growing at our fastest. Uh, we were just focusing on like these little problems and like magnifying them. Um, so we had to step back and I think we stepped back this summer and we, we spent a month away from videos and we spent a month just reflecting on the last three years. Uh, and we couldn't talk to each other about our videos. We went in our separate directions for a few days to, to reflect. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, we are the luckiest goddamn motherfuckers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we are the luckiest people in the entire world. Like, if you put this into perspective, what we have and where we're living and what we're doing, that through all this pain and struggle from the last two years, we've pulled it off through all this doubt from the outside, like we've stuck together not only as a, as like a yes theory, but as like genuine best friends, like our friendship has only grown like, like, like fuck being humble and fuck being like, ah, like this is okay. Like, no, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And like, this is the greatest thing ever. You live and work with your best friends. And I think just nowadays it's less about like, it, it, the, the nowadays the most important thing is reminding our, ourselves of that is like that we genuinely have the dream and the where we will fail is if we forget that we live the dream um, because it just it make, you have to appreciate it you know of course yeah, yeah. I mean it, it must I rambled be. there I rambled a lot <laughs> I thought it was no was I thought it okay? made sense yeah okay. I mean I think just what I keep thinking about is you talking about that moment when Amar stood up and said mm -hmm. like I'm visioning uh, interviews I'm visioning like <laughs> all this stuff because that happened yeah. and that mm -hmm. didn't happen in this year that happened in the same year mm -hmm. that you started right mm -hmm. I mean I remember seeing videos of you guys um, I think it was on Canadian news right mm -hmm. like yeah. doing interviews you guys were uh, on you know on this big network on snap and and like I just think it's it's amazing when you see some like someone stands up and says, I have this vision. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that that Amar plays a big part in, in pushing in pushing like forward through some of the, the downtimes or is it is it a combination of all you guys? Uh, downtimes is it's pretty weird. We're very often down at different times. Mm. Um, and like, I'm super happy today, but most days I wake up with like raging anxiety, like it's pain. It like literally hurts, physically hurts my chest. Mm. Um, and I don't know what to do with it. Like I, I'm trying to meditate, exercise, all this stuff. And Matt's helped me so much through it, um, with reading and he's pushed all of us to meditate and it's literally like changed my life. But some days it just doesn't, it, it, it helps for a bit. And then I go back to being anxious as hell. Um, and Amar struggles with depression. Like, you have anxiety, too. It's... It's... We all... At one point... What happens with the lows is... Weirdly... I don't know if it's psychologically or subconsciously or whatnot, but... There's always one person, at least. Usually it's two. That 
look at the positive. Like there'll be one person that got caught up in the in the anxiety or the depression or like the daily numbers or like that thing that happened or just like tiny things and lets them drag them down and one or two of the others pull that person up and we alternate at very weird times. Um, Amar has a lot more to be like, to be worried, like not worried about, to be, to be thinking about every day, especially with his family and, and all that. So Amar always helps us, always pushes through, like he never gets caught up in the tiny things. Like, oh man, like that video didn't perform that well. Or like, like the small things he never, like rarely bothers him. But he gets pulled down by his personal personal mm. life. And so he pulls us up when we get caught up in like video views or whatever, which like on a daily basis doesn't matter. And he's like, guys, we're literally going to make an upload, a new video in three days. Like, why are we upset? Um, and as crazy as it is, I, I, we still get upset sometimes about views. You know, it's it's so, you know, we would jump up and down at 2,000 views. Now, if we don't get, you know, over 100,000 views in an hour, we're, we're like, damn, what's what's wrong with this video? Like, did we upload at the wrong time? Like, mm. is the thumbnail not good? Like, what's wrong? Like, are we not are we irrelevant now? You know, it's like your brain goes insane. And so now like I try not to check views for the first 24 hours because it's, I don't know, it's, it's irrelevant until you get to that point. And then you can, part of it is strategic. Like you have to look at, okay, maybe this idea doesn't work or like this type of videos, people just don't like them. Um, and sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it's just bad timing or, you know, people are on vacation or whatnot. So I don't know. I'm kind of going into specifics, but yeah, it's um you'd be surprised how like it looks like we're having just a cruise all the time but we're down a lot more than people think and the only way we get out of it is with each other and i think that's why we're so close to each other is because we need each other we'll be down depressed sad anxious frustrated and the only way out is by talking to each other like literally it's the only thing that like really helps um like has long lasting effects. Um. I, I think one thing that was so surprising, and I always say when I describe you guys, um, <clears throat> one thing that was amazing to me was how true you were in real life to what I saw on the videos. Um, that, that was, and it shouldn't be a surprise, but it, it, it was like you guys lived the mentality more so in real life than in the videos. And that goes through, you know, uh, all kinds of different things. Um, when, when I hear you, Thomas, talking about that, one thing that I, uh, you know, Colin and I both have started meditating since last week, since being in the Grand Canyon yeah. with you guys. Nice. For Hell me, yeah. it was like since actually talking to you, Thomas, um, on that bus on the way to the Grand Canyon, because I've been having a lot of anxiety too. And like, same type of thing where I wake up and I'm just like, fuck, like I can't move right now. And this like, it'll hit me and it's like a wave. And I've never had that really um, until like this past year. Um, and for me with you guys, like, I, I love your videos and I love seek discomfort. I truly believe in it. But one of the biggest things that I've taken from getting to know you guys has been some of the conversations that I've had with you and, and, you know, Thomas, like last two weeks ago at the Grand Canyon really was like opening up to the idea that I don't like no one has all of their shit figured out, but to try and be aware of your anxiety, to be aware of your depression and figure out at least start trying to take steps and i think like samir and i this week have like integrated it a lot more into our work life we've realized like wait we have a different work situation we spend 
12 to 15 hours together every day, sometimes behind a computer for eight straight hours. Let's try and like figure out something here to like us taking care of our mental health is part of our business now. Like it's a responsibility if we want to succeed. And I think a lot of that um, for me has come from talking to you guys and seeing that you incorporate it as well into how you operate. Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest moments for me was during that that whole Will Smith production. There was so much happening. I mean, I was so excited just to be there and be filming and like felt like there was always something to do and I wanted to be moving and kind of threw routine out the door, right? Like I wake up and I try and do yoga every morning. I try and like take it slow, but I was like, routine's out the door. This is a crazy two days. (laughs) And then I walk into the trailer and Thomas is sitting with his AirPods in and he's meditating. And for me, I I looked at that and I was like, if I was in his seat going through one of the craziest times of my life and just one of the biggest, most interesting, like this crazy experience, I I, I don't think I would go back to my routine and the things that that work for me but watching him do it and then I came in and I was bothering him so he went in the other room to finish his meditation but seeing how committed he was to you know the things that work and the things that you can come back to and um, the small things that are really important in his day I was like it doesn't matter what day it is and and that's why I asked you guys the question of like getting through some of the lows because I, I started to witness on that set that however big this gets like you're still the same people and I know that sounds strange, but when you're growing up and you see people who reach a certain level of um, fame or, or success or, or being in the public eye, you just have this imagination of them as like superhumans. I think it's, it's very easy to think that you can work your way to happiness. Like you can work your way to a certain point where once you get there, oh, then these things are these things I won't be troubled. Like they won't trouble me once I get there. You know, but you realize that's just not the case. The more you hit different markers. Yeah. So you were about to say something. but uh, I just want to like credit 100% of those routines to Matt like mm-hmm. he has literally been pushing every single one of us to exercise and, medit- every, uh, and meditate every day um, like anytime any of us are low Matt's like when was the last time you exercised mm-hmm. and I'm like oh two weeks ago see there it is and he like because you found that solution first for yourself right like yeah. y- you were seeking answers you started to read a ton of books I don't know if you want to talk about your anxiety but <laughs> That's a whole other roller coaster, guys. <laughs> but Matt was the first one to really go through it. Like he's also like a year older than than me and two two years older than Amar. So he like hit that phase of like his brain just reaching a level of like what the hell's going on right now, mm-hmm. and went through it. And all of us go in and out of it, but you figured your solution out the fastest, and you've transferred all that knowledge directly to us and pushed us to do it. And that's why I served because of Matt. He was like, go exercise in the morning. He's like, nobody starts working before 10 because all of you need time to exercise and meditate. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't, I don't love running that much. So I started surfing and that became my thing. And it's all because of Matt. Meditation that's, to all of it. That's, that's amazing. And I think um, just in having time, like Colin and I, and having all this time now all of a sudden, like we don't work at a company, we work for ourselves now. Re- realizing the difference between being busy and being productive is so important. Um, and like, you're just so used to and trained by your surrounding that you wake up, you have a cup of coffee and things start moving fast and you get to work as soon as possible. But the fact of the matter is like, we went surfing with you this morning and it was so enjoyable that I feel like today is going to be a much more in the the short (laughs) time I'm going to work. I'm going to be way more productive than in eight hours of like not working out or not surfing or not meditating in the morning. And so the productivity in five hours versus being busy for eight hours is like 
you have to start to understand that. So like yesterday, I didn't take care of myself at all in the morning or do any of the things that I should have done. And by the time we got to lunch, I almost like lost it. He did almost <laughs> lose it. He did almost lose it. That's true. I thought it was the end. It was bad. Like I was at Whole Foods. I couldn't decide what I wanted to eat. And Samir looked at me like, he was like, dude, I've been ready for five minutes. Like, what's going on with you? And I had no words for him. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I need to walk away. Like, I, like, I was, Let me paint this picture. He's walking around with an empty Whole Foods carton. You know those brown ones? For 25 minutes, wandering the store. And I, I'm out. And I finished my food before he came out. Wow. Like, he's that's incredible. walking around with an empty thing, like that's trying incredible. to find answers to fill inside. But, but yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, I think I've also gotten a lot of that from you, Matt, just, mm. uh, in the, in the eight months that we've known each other. Like, I think that's yeah. watching you guys operate. Like it's, it's clear that when you have a vision and when you have a plan and when you have small things to execute on a daily basis to make you operate on the level you want to operate, right. everything will accelerate. Everything you want to do in life is going to start to accelerate. For sure. So I, I just find yeah beyond exercise i think the the reason meditation helps so much i mean i think i i like i find when i don't meditate i say the stupidest things you know because you're 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 acting off impulse so all these like childlike thoughts and all the shit in your head you you there's no barrier so you just say what you think or what comes pops in your head and generally that's not a very smart thing to say so i find i'm not very good with like timing like i'll say a lot of stupid stuff like like at terrible times you know um and sometimes people will be offended or sometimes people will be mad I'm like why would, why did i say that you know and if i meditate like those thoughts go through my head first and i'm like should i say that and it's like fuck no i shouldn't say that <laughs> you know why the hell would i say that so and and i think that correlates to everything you know it's like the business decision making like if you meditate you you put all these options in your head and you oh like you make the best decisions when you reflect. Uh, and so to not do that, I think is just like, it's so detrimental to the business. But I mean, again, like I think you guys, everybody here inspires us in different ways, you know, like anytime, like I'm, Thomas said, anytime any of us is down, like I have fucking terrible days, you know, and like you've taught me so much about, ki- I mean, kindness, empathy, like patience, which I lack, you know, and just like really treating people well. Like, both Thomas and Amar are just the kindest dudes in the world, you know? And, like, would never hurt a fly. And <laughs> I'm not saying I would hurt a fly. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's just cool to feed off each other and, like, Im- see how well that person does and then implement that in your own life. So, so um, Thomas told his story. Um, mm-hmm. People call you Matty Poo. Matty Poo. Uh-oh. Is there a reason? <laughs> I know that's not the reason, but I just felt yeah. like that was a good lead-in to, to your story. Oh, oh, no, that's a different story. Oh, also, it's a different story. You guys are low on time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I can rush through the story very quickly. This is one of our first... This is good. I guess we can end on this. the first time I thought, Matt... This is the only time I thought you like were dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was very... We were living in this small apartment in Montreal. And we were... We, <laughs> I can't believe you're going to share this. Yeah, you don't have to tell the story. Yeah. But it, we mean, were eating very okay. poorly okay. back in the day. Like every night we would have the same meal of nachos, beans, and avocados. Wow. Um, it was, Or like chips and, and cheese and avocado. avocado it was like, was like the, that was like the treat. Yeah, it was the treat. It was the extra on top. Yeah. 
It was like a five dollar dinner every night. It was but amazing. Papa Cash was buying dinner. Papa Cash, baby. <laughs> That's what I was doing every time. <laughs> Anyways, so we we were pretty unhealthy, and um, one morning I woke up and I went to the bathroom, and I had I was super dehydrated and I wasn't feeling well. And then I sit down and take a poop, and I was very constipated, so I I faint, and I hit my head back on the oh my toilet. God. And then I fall forward. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You got to say that into the <laughs> mic. So I hit my head back onto yeah. the back of the toilet. And it's not coming out. It wouldn't come out. And then finally, just after, oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this right now. <laughs> after, after trying really hard, I finally get it out. But it took so much effort that it knocks me out. And then I fall back. And then I collapse butt naked onto the bath and rock my head onto the bath. And Hamasad Omar in the next room, and they hear it. It's like a crash in the bathroom. Yeah. And they're like, Matt? Matt? Which is the thing, the, 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 you know the, um, the porcelain thing behind yeah. covering where the water's held fell and like broke. Oh, wow. So we hear like, and like an explosion in the freaking bathroom. Yeah. And so I pass out and Amar and Thomas like break the door open and find me just so naked having just pooped. <laughs> <laughs> on in in the bath and they like immediately call the ambulance and immediately get me to the hospital oh my but God. the moral of the story is is like this was like a little over a month of knowing each other you know it was kind of that kind of stuff that would happen all the time where you're like you're seeing each other in the most ridiculous yeah, vulnerable most situations vulnerable and you're taking care of each other like i was out cold and when i woke up there were like five ambulance men around me wow. you know instantly so it was just like Everything constantly was just a sign that it was just like good people. And again, like back to Thomas and Amar being like the kindest people, you know, it's like it's not even hesitation whether you should call the ambulance. You don't check, you know, it's like, no, I'm taking care of you. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. Lay down and let these people take care of you. So anyways, that's my poop story. But that's not where Maddie Poo comes from. Maddie okay. Poo is, is. That's another podcast. It's another podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, thank you both for sharing. Can we end on something? We have literally. Okay. F- Four minutes. Yes. All right. this, something is, better. this is what I want to end on for the last four minutes. Um, part of uh, like s- something I texted Thomas a couple weeks ago when I saw him act uh, mm. in your guys' video. And I was so blown away by the performance. Um, it, it was so good. And, and it was so cool to hear after that that you've been taking improv classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to bring that up. Like y- you you were the first one kind of on YouTube. You said you were doing skits. You were wearing wigs. So this has been something that you've done for a long time. Mm-hmm. But the skits that I see on the channel are like just so fun uh, and so lighthearted. And so um, the last one was insane. Yeah. Was the little, last one was insane. Crazy. And, I, <laughs> and I absolutely loved it. Like if you were still doing a channel of just skits, I would watch it. But, um, you know, a lot of your life um, up to this point you've had to improv, mm-hmm. right? Like coming up with an idea of how to get into the Flume concert, um, coming up with uh, ideas on the fly when you guys are out filming a video. Um, you know, you've kind of been in an improv class your whole life. For sure. And uh, just curious, like now that you're studying that craft of improv, we've had a conversation mm-hmm. about this, but I just thought it was a good way to end um, and For talking sure. about improv and how that's helped you uh, yeah. in all aspects of life, not just on camera. And the concept of uh, improv and how that can help other people in their lives. Yeah. Um, and so the 
as you said earlier, like I genuinely believe in the idea of seeking discomfort. And for me, improv is gen like definitely seeking discomfort. But it's something I gain a lot of energy from. And that muscle, in fact, that part of your brain where you have to think fast and not... The, the point of improv is you shouldn't show up in a scene with a plan. You just show up, whatever you're told, like you make something out of it. And I feel like that's a muscle. You know, there's a part of your brain that helps you think fast, have you help you just not be more clever, but just it, it helps you be more on your toes. Um, and I found that idea exciting of just being able to make something up on the spot and really practice that. Um, and then performing is something that like I always like I get so anxious before like I need to get up on stage to do anything um, but afterwards I always I'm like pumped with adrenaline I'm like that was amazing like I loved doing that speech or presentation or whatever like but but I wanted to push myself to overcome that fear a little bit um, and that block because I do genuinely enjoy it I do find it really fun to just play a character and be insane or just being able to play somebody that's not me help like I feel so in the moment, like I transcend into this other thing and uh, I find that really exciting and I break out completely. Literally last night, I, I've been to improv the past two nights and both times I showed up so anxious. I don't know why, like I packed with anxiety. Like I, I was like, I can't do improv right now. Like I'm feeling terrible. Like I'm almost like borderline depressed. Like I need to go for a run or like a walk or, and I show up and I just, it just, completely pulled me out of it i was so in the moment and so excited to be there just dying laughing the whole time um that for if anyone wants to push themselves out of their comfort zone improv is a great place to to start because they really take you through the process and almost everyone in the class i asked them like why are you doing improv and almost every every single one person in my class are like i want to do something different hmm. so well, yeah. yeah, the one thing that I, I think a closing note just to end on 100%. what you said about mm -hmm. improv, like one thing that's amazing about improv is you can't go in with a plan. Um, you have to be very present. You have mm -hmm. to listen. You have to be aware of your surroundings. And then you have to take your opportunity that comes off the top of your mind in an instant. And I think you guys did an amazing job of that with everything you've done with Project 30, even trusting each other, uh, finding each other, deciding to make decisions like in an instant and, and working through everything. So a lot to unpack here and I hope that we get to do another podcast in the For future. Sure. I'm sure we will. Um, but it's been amazing to get to know you guys over the last eight months and awesome to have you on, on the show. And Thomas, great surf this morning. Yeah, thank you. That was the first <laughs> yeah. time we shared a lot of those stories, at least for me. Like, yeah. I rarely go on podcasts. Like, I don't know. I just just don't do it. But this is what happens on the Colin Samir podcast. This is what happens on the Colin Samir podcast. Exclusive. Yeah. No joke. Yeah, but actually, it's kind of cool to reflect like that. We haven't done that in ever, forever yeah. on the stories. Thank well, thank you guys so much for sharing. And obviously, uh, if you're listening out there uh, and you, for some reason, don't know what Yes Theory is, go check out the YouTube channel. Um, everything we just talked about is going to make a lot more sense if you check that out. Um, and yeah, keep keep following. Check them out across all their platforms. And uh, that's it. Great talking to you, fellas. Thanks a lot, I love guys. you. That's it for this week's episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing Thomas and Matt's stories as much as we did. And we hope after listening to this episode, you are inspired to seek discomfort for yourself. 
Even if it's just going to a part of your city that you've never been to, putting yourself in a situation you've never been in can definitely spark creativity. Colin and I have been trying to implement this into our lives as much as possible, especially when we're feeling creatively stuck or like we just need a change to get some new ideas. So thanks for listening to this episode and thanks to Thomas and Matt for sharing all those stories. And in case you're wondering, we are definitely going to have Amar on the podcast and we can't wait for that episode. If you have any feedback for us on the podcast, on our YouTube channel, on anything we are doing, you can tweet at us at Colin and Samir. You can leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening, or you can email us, Samir at gmail.com. We love getting your emails, your feedback, your ideas. All right, tune in next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.